TJ, what's going on? How are we doing? How's the Big Blue Nation dealing with the roller coaster ride known as Kentucky basketball? Take two, right? I was going through my whole spiel, and I don't know, I, 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 doing radio, you're pretty used to making sure you're not on mute. I don't think I was, but uh, I get, must have got disconnected. I apologize. But, yeah, it's been a roller coaster of a season, like you said, the last three games especially. It's been since 2019 since Kentucky's made it out of the first weekend of the NCAA tournament, which is entirely too long. So the, the, the thing this season has been – the fan base is patient with this group, and they really like this group. They're young, they're explosive, they're fun, they've got a good personality to them. But some of the faults of the program over the last five or six years has fallen onto them, where there's this pressure that's no fault really to their own, but maybe to their head coach, where there's, this, there's the weight of the world on, on their back to make a big postseason run. They've got the offense to do it, they've got the star power to do it, but do they have the defense? And they're getting better. I know talking about a game where they almost gave up 100 points to Alabama isn't maybe the, the place to circle that they're making improvements defensively, but they really are, and we know that they can outscore or score with anybody in the country. So maybe they're clicking at the right time. It, we'd look at this team a lot differently if not for the heartbreaker in Baton Rouge on the last second shot, which was a wild play. Uh, but they're playing better. They're getting there, but there are some huge expectations with this team. Okay, you mentioned uh, you know the defense, and that's obviously been a, an issue. You don't have to look at numbers or whatever. You just watch the games. You kind of wonder what's up with that. And then they had the game at Auburn uh, where they shut down Auburn, which had been really good offensively and good period at home. You know, so why has this defense been so inconsistent as uh, inconsistent at best, I would call it? Simply put, they're a team full of players that aren't great defensively. You know, when people are growing up and they're and they're learning and they're getting better at basketball, you'll say, "All right, your your path is going to be you're just a lead athlete or you're a star shooter." None of these guys on their resume would say shut down or lock down defender. And I don't think Cal was necessarily just trying to put together a team full of great offensive players. I think it just kind of worked out that way with this year. But they're not a great defensive team because they don't have a team full of great defensive players. It's kind of simply as that. Their guards can get blown by, and then their bigs are just mostly inexperienced, but they have a ton of potential. Ugana Onyenzo, he nearly had a triple-double just a few games ago and did set the Rupp Arena block record, which you got to think of all the great shot blockers that have come through UK, whether they're in blue and white or play at Rupp Arena. Uh, did he beat David Robinson's record, or was it Shaquille O'Neal's? It was one of their. It wasn't even a UK player's block record that he beat at Rupp Arena. But they're just inexperienced, and they can get in foul trouble, and they get pushed around a little bit. So it's just a team of players that are still kind of learning how to connect on the defensive end. They're getting better. They've got a lot of potential, but it's not really any of their strengths. Okay, we're 27 games into the season. Is it too late for these issues to be rectified? No, no. Uh, luckily, with the way the college basketball season set up, it all comes down to March. So as long as it can click before then, and that's been a big topic of conversation in Kentucky, is just how, how good can it get and how bad is it? It was really, really bad at times, but look what they did at Auburn. You can't be a terrible, terrible defensive team or at least not have some potential on that end of the court to hold them to under 60 points at home. They had just put up, what, 100 and whatever against South Carolina the game before then. Some of that was Auburn was a little bit off. But 
this UK team can can improve on that end. It's never going to be their strength. They're always going to be somebody that should be trying to outscore and play fast pace. But there's been some teams that have slowed down the game against Kentucky effectively, and Kentucky has still found ways to win those games. Now they have lost, but five of their eight losses by five points or fewer. Uh, I think they're. I think they're. I think it's all clicking here at the right time. Of course, famous last words with UK basketball. <laughs> they, we, we thought that last year. We thought it the year before that, and that was when the St. Peter's. Uh, upset happened, so you really never know in March. But this group, it's been a long up and down season, like you had mentioned. But it does seem like they're 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 coming together at the right time, and that's all that matters. You got to be playing your best basketball when it matters the most, and that's here in the next two weeks, three weeks. Okay, so to this point, what could John Calipari or what should he have done differently? Oh, loaded question. Um, I mean, win close games, not. Really, the, the story this this year, otherwise Kentucky would be in the one, two, three seed conversation. I still think they can get a three seed. But, uh, they again, five losses by five points or fewer. And then more so, UK just doesn't lose at home. And they had a game one against Florida. They needed one free throw to make it a four-point game. Robert Dillingham, who's a great free throw shooter, he misses the free throw. Florida comes down, hits the three. You lose that one in overtime. You lose to Gonzaga in a game that you were winning the majority of the second half. Gonzaga's not a very good team this year. You let them beat you at Rupp Arena. And then the UNC Wilmington loss, which happened in, in December, uh, that's a bad one. You take away those three, and all those were close games. I think seven points was the biggest margin of victory between those three. So that's kind of the uncharacteristic part, is this team is doing a little bit better away from home, worse at home. And you got to take care of home court. John Calipari had made – such a, a, a done such a great job at one point had the best winning percentage inside Rupp Arena and this year just losing those games and another thing is they've only played one game at full strength one game and we're not talking about like the 11th man was injured or the 10th man got suspended or something like that we're talking about one game with one of their top seven players uh, available they've only done it once they won that game and then about 20 minutes into it Trey Mitchell got hurt he's the fifth year player from West Virginia who's been a really important piece for Kentucky he's still out he's missed the last couple games he didn't play against LSU he didn't play at Alabama so people in Kentucky are also wondering can John Calipari get this team healthy it doesn't fall necessarily on John Calipari it's not his fault when players get hurt but this group for all the struggles they've had they still haven't been healthy. If they can get healthy, if it continues to move in the right direction, this is going to be a team you want to keep an eye on in your March Madness brackets. T.J. Walker of Kentucky Roll Call, currently in the sports zone. So Alabama allows 117 on Saturday to Kentucky. How should we evaluate the tide the rest of the season? Yeah, they're a little trickier to me. I, I think they're really good, and they struggled in November and December, and they picked up losses. I think they had a stretch where they had lost five of seven. And then going into Rupp Arena, you wouldn't really know it, but they were the leaders in the SEC. And with that loss, I think they're now tied with Tennessee. They're a team that if shots are falling, they can beat anybody. I'd lean towards them being more likely to get upset. Uh, I just don't really trust their interior, and they've got some health issues as well as most teams are dealing with at this point. I don't trust their interior, and how good can Mark Sears be? He's been one of the best players in the SEC this year. I just don't see him. I, I just don't envision it. There's really no reason to think that he can't. He's been doing it in the SEC. I just don't see him leading Alabama on this March tournament run. So I think I'll probably have them going out a little earlier than some other teams in the SEC. If you're looking for an SEC team that's really, really hot right now, 
and they blew a game against Alabama, come to think of it, just about a week ago. They were up 8 or 11 with about eight minutes to go, and Alabama stormed back and beat them. Florida's really good. They're really yeah. good. They're clicking at the right time. They're well coached, and they're a team built similar to Kentucky where at any point on the floor, all five guys can knock down a three. So if you're just kind of caught slipping a little bit or you're not quick to get out on the perimeter, they're going to make you pay. They have a relatively easy schedule to finish SEC play. They're probably going to be one of the top four seeds, which means you get a double bye in the SEC tournament. Would not be shocked in the slightest to see them playing on Sunday in the SEC championship game. And they're definitely a team in March that I could see coming out of maybe the four or five slot that, that knocks out the first one seed in the Sweet 16. Uh, you, you never really know. Do you, do you prefer the, the, the first and second round games to be crazy filled with upsets knowing that means we don't have as good as the sweet 16 elite eight or do you want it to be a little bit chalkier so those sweet 16 elite eight matchups are just prime time uh i've been a long time advocate of i do not like the first two days of the tournament because uh like there's you know, there's a lot of bad games quite frankly and the one good game gets all the attention and then the worst thing is like it just makes the work the next round most of the teams that you know have those upsets in the first round get beat uh, frequently by by a large margin of the second game so I, I'm I'm not a big fan of the first first or first and second first first two days of the tournament I know people go nuts but. I'm just hoping that all good teams win and we can get better games the rest of the tournament. <laughs> so that's just me. That's Yeah, that's the thing is you, you get all the craziness sometimes when you get a 16 or 15 that are making these games close, and then people kind of forget about, like, the Saturday and Sunday slate. And it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. okay, now you got to – this 7 seed is a 15-point favorite over this 15 seed. It was fun for a time, but now, you know, you don't have as many games to look forward to. But we'll be here – well, it'll be here before you know it. I'm aware of that, definitely. Okay, Kentucky, tomorrow night, they play in Mississippi State, which has won five in a row. Uh, Mississippi State won by 20 at LSU on Saturday. What should we pay attention to when we're watching the Kentucky and Mississippi State game? Yeah, so they played earlier this season. It was a game that Kentucky was cruising for a little bit. It was kind of a classic Kentucky game, at least at that point of the season, where – enough moments where you just think that this team is really legitimately a top five, top 10 team. And then there'd be a stretch and this stretch came late in the game after the game was kind of won where you just can't envision how a team could be so bad and incompetent defensively. And Mississippi State ended up making that game probably a little, even with it being a 13 point win, a little bit closer than it probably should have been. This will be a different story. Things won't come as easy offensively for Kentucky tomorrow night down in Starkville. I would not be shocked if Mississippi State opened as a favorite or maybe Kentucky a slight favorite, like two points. It'll be a battle for Kentucky. And this is a game with Tulu Smith for Mississippi State, one of the best front court players in the entire SEC and maybe even all of college basketball. If you could have Trey Mitchell come back for this one. He was 50-50. He was questionable. Game time decision against Alabama. Obviously, he didn't play in that one. Obviously, you didn't need him in that one. You will need him tomorrow night, and you'll need a Duthie Arrow. That's Kentucky's muscle, a Duthie Arrow and Trey Mitchell. You're going to need some muscle on the front court. Zanamir Ivasic, Big Z, who had that big game, he's a seven foot three Croatian sensation. Uh, he, can, he can shoot threes as well as pretty much anybody with Kentucky. He's a freak. He had a fun, he's really, really fun to watch if you haven't gotten to check him out. He doesn't play a ton for Kentucky, but he got a lot of minutes on right, Saturday, right. 18 points, four blocks. 
Uh, he was – you're probably not going to be able to play him tomorrow night. You're going to. Foul trouble is going to be a big issue with him. If you can get his good shot blocking, that's going to be huge, but they're going to try to get him in foul trouble. So depth is going to be of concern for Kentucky. Foul trouble will be of concern of Kentucky. If you have Trey Mitchell, and assuming he's healthy enough to go, and I don't think they'd play him if he wasn't, I would guess Kentucky wins. If you don't have Trey Mitchell, this one's going to come down to the under four timeout, and a bad call may sink Kentucky. Mississippi State getting hot could sink Kentucky. Uh, they'll be in for a dogfight, no pun intended, against the Bulldogs if you don't have Trey Mitchell. If you do have him, I think you'll have enough to squeak out a win. It'll be a tough one tomorrow night. Okay, we mentioned Auburn a couple of times here. How do we assess them moving forward? Yeah, it just kind of depends if you buy in their similar style to Kentucky. They're not totally different style to in to an Alabama. I think the difference between an Alabama and them for me is I, I, I trust Janai Broom a lot more than I trust anybody inside for for uh, Alabama in Auburn. I just I think it's nice to have a good post player, somebody that you can trust, and he's been in college basketball for a really really long time, but. Bruce Pearl's been to a Final Four with Auburn. I think this is probably his best chance maybe to get back. Just they seem like a pretty complete team, all things considered. Um, Defense is of concern for them as well. And the worst thing for Auburn is they don't play the NCAA tournament in Auburn, Alabama at Neville (laughs) Arena, unfortunately. And they, they have just been bad away from home. And sometimes neutral floor, it doesn't matter. There's been some Kentucky teams. The, the 2011 Kentucky team went to a Final Four. I think they won maybe one or two road games in conference play all year. They had a ton of losses, but they took care of business at home, and that was good enough. Sometimes these teams, they're, they're telling on themselves with how bad they are once they get out of their home building. They don't get the friendly officiating. So I think they're good. I think they're talented enough. I, I think Broom is kind of their, their straw that makes the entire drink go. They're in the same boat as Alabama and really the same boat as the Kentucky and even the same boat as the Florida. When you rely on offense that much, you're about shooting night in March from potentially just having your season over like that. Okay, uh, Tennessee. I mean, they've fallen short in some NCAA tournament pass. Uh, they doubt – they have Dalton Connect now as a big-time offensive player, something that uh, you know, Rick Barnes' teams have not usually had. Uh, so, do we believe more in Tennessee this March than we have in the past? I do, and I get crushed in Kentucky for saying that. I, I, I think they're really, really, really good. And Dalton Connect is the—he's the missing ingredients for Rick Barnes. And Rick Barnes has probably lost with worse teams, but I, I don't. This may be his best he's had at Tennessee, and that's saying something because he's had some really good teams there with Grant Williams and uh, Fulkerson was a weird name. If you don't follow SEC, you maybe have forgotten about him, but he was really good for Tennessee, weirdly enough. Uh, But that being said, when you had to rely on Vescovy and Ziegler to be your offense, that wasn't going to get it done. And it didn't get it done last year, and it didn't get it done the year before that. And that's why Dalton Connect was such a godsend for Tennessee to bring him, let him come in, let him be the offense. And he's such a mismatch problem. They list him at 6'6". I'm not buying it. He looks closer to 6'8 to me. Normally they, they, they will always give you the extra inches if you ask for him. But he seems taller than what they, they lead on. If you put somebody smaller on him, he's going to take him inside. You put somebody bigger in him, he's athletic enough to blow by him and then go dunk on the help defender. 
So he is a he, it, what a steal for Barnes in the transfer portal to be able to get that guy. He's insanely talented. So then that allows Vescovi to be more of the general point guard uh, when he play, when he has the ball in his hands, which normally they'll try to let Ziegler do that. But point being, they don't have to rely on their offense, either one of those two guys. And things will come a little bit easier for them, and that's good for the whole formula. But they're better on defense. And then they're good enough offensively, obviously, if they're an afterthought, they can, they can make you pay. But it's a really good team. It's a really good five, six people. Josiah Jordan-James, he's really come into his own. And these those three people, Ziegler, Vescovy, and uh, JJJ, they've been in the program. This is their third year getting meaningful minutes for Tennessee, and some of them even longer than that. But to have that core, and then you bring in one of the best scorers in all of college basketball, if Rick Barnes blows it this year, if I'm a Tennessee fan, I may, I may be at my wit's end. At the one hand, you're Tennessee, so you'll take what you can get. But on the other hand, if you can't do it with this group, when are you going to do it? Okay, last up, which of these SEC teams do you think has the the best staying power in the NCAA tournament? It's going to be a fun year. It could be be the second weekend. We could be previewing a Sweet 16 where it's, wow, a a third of the the Sweet 16 is is SEC teams. Or I don't think it'd be half, but maybe a fourth of the Sweet 16 teams are SEC teams. Or maybe it's the Sweet 16 only has one SEC team because the offense didn't carry into the NCAA tournament. Uh, I think your legitimate contenders are Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, I think, unfortunately, probably has the best chance to to do something totally meaningful. And then it just kind of depends where you stand on, on Alabama's of the world, South Carolina's of the world. South Carolina is an interesting team because that's a makeup really tough defensively, really, really physical. That's the makeup of a seven seed that beats a two seed. That's the makeup of a nine seed that beats a one seed. And they can do it. I don't know if I'm buying into them or not, but it's fun. It's fun to have the league this competitive. It, I, Ole Miss is a solid team. Mississippi State's a solid team. I don't think they're going to do anything in March. But normally you get four teams in the SEC, maybe five, and you, you hope that maybe one or two of them can make some noise. Uh, it's a different ball game this year. But I definitely think you're going to see an SEC team in the Final Four. And I wouldn't even be shocked if you saw two SEC teams potentially in the Final Four like it was back in 2015. But – you you, you uh, also have a lot of guys that rely on offense and a lot of teams that rely on offense. And that's a little scary. You like to be a little bit more balanced, and that's not the name of the game of the SEC this year. But it, it, the overall talent, uh, it, it seems to just mean a little bit more in conference, not this field. That really... All right. You're going to kind of cut out here with TJ right now. I think he cut out on us before we cut out on him. But that was it. Uh, T.J. Walker from Kentucky Roll Call. Uh, Appreciate his time. Check out his work at Kentucky Roll Call.